1: It's Red Eye Radio, with talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or just starting your day, welcome to the show. For Gary McNamara and Eric Harley, Dan Mandis. This is Red Eye Radio. 86690 Red Eye is the phone number,
2: 8669073339. You can find me on social media, Dan Mandis Show, not only on Twitter but also on Facebook and Instagram as well. You can always send me an email, Dan at 997WTN.com. That is where I host a morning show in Nashville, Tennessee at Supertalk, 997WTN. Gary and Eric, they do return a week from this morning. So we wrapped up the last hour talking about what we've learned with the latest Twitter dump, the big Twitter file dump that we saw on uh, yesterday, effectively uh, yesterday morning. And I would love to say that it all began with this comment from Joe Biden.
3: They're killing people. I mean, it really, well, look, the only pandemic we have is among the unvaccinated. And, that, and, they're, and
4: they're
2: killing people. Are we- now, as the story goes, you have um, you have Elon Musk and others saying, well, that was the moment where Twitter really jumped into action and really started to work together. The Biden administration and Twitter work together to try and censor those that were going against the, uh, you know, ever so uh, noble Dr. Anthony Fauci. But in reality, it didn't start there. It actually did start with the former president, Donald Trump. But there's a big difference between what Biden did and what Donald Trump did. And so just to give you a little bit of a background, the uh, Twitter files dump happened yesterday, and it was done by a guy by the name of David Zweig. And uh, he says that Donald Trump, the Trump administration and the Biden administration both Uh, took part in working with Twitter to uh, put forth a certain narrative. But there is a big difference. Now, in the latest installment of the Twitter files, he says that uh, both Donald Trump and the Biden administration pressured Twitter executives to censor information that was true but inconvenient. Using their poll, Zweig writes, the government was able to discredit doctors and experts and suppress ordinary users' freedom of speech on Twitter, even if they were citing the Center for Disease Control's own data. That's the crazy thing. You know, the, the, um, I'm going to go down a little bit of a rabbit hole. You know, the, the libs of TikTok, right? Uh, on TikTok. And it's basically a, an account on TikTok, and what they do is they share the videos of liberals on TikTok. I mean, they're not selectively editing or anything. They're literally sharing the videos of the liberals on TikTok. And they get banned. Well, why are they getting banned? Because all they're doing is taking the videos of the libs and And putting them on their own channel, on their own account. Now, what they're doing is they're drawing attention to the libs of TikTok because they're so moronic. But it's the same thing here, where you had people like Alex Berenson and others who they were using the CDC's own information. And yet they were banned. Well, the reason why they were banned, the reason why this happened to them is because they were pointing out things within the CDC data that wasn't adding up to lockdowns and mask mandates and vaccine mandates. They just weren't. The Biden administration, they say, also piled pressure on the social media platform, Twitter, to suspend Alex Berenson and others over his tweets questioning COVID vaccines. This is from the Daily Mail. The documents released yesterday provide more context as to how the government infiltrated the social media giant to suppress certain stories. As Twitter CEO Elon Musk vows, there will be more revelations next week. According to the documents released, the Trump administration met with executives at Twitter, Google, Facebook, and Microsoft looking for help from the tech companies to combat misinformation about runs on grocery stores. Remember how so many of us were running to Target, running to Walmart, and we just had to have that extra, you know, 20-pack of toilet paper? Well, that's what Trump was try- trying to combat, Trump was trying to combat those runs on the grocery stores. But with Joe Biden, it was a lot more sinister. Trump was worried about panic buying. Trump was worried about, you know, the behavior of shoppers in the early days of the pandemic. They didn't want people to rush the store and knock it over grandma trying to get toilet paper. They had meetings between Google and Facebook, and that included a weekly call. They were trying to, again, get people to stop buying 75 rolls of toilet paper and, uh, you know, whatever else, all the canned goods they could stock. But the big difference between what Donald Trump was doing, at least related in this article, is what Joe Biden was doing. Because while Trump was worried about toilet paper... Joe Biden was worried about people that would be going up against Dr. Anthony Fauci and Fauci's demand of lockdowns and Fauci's demand of masks and Fauci's demand of vaccinations. So when the Biden administration comes in, they forget about toilet paper, which is what Trump was focused on, and they became more focused on tackling misinformation about vaccines And they targeted high profile vaccine skeptics like Alex Berenson. They started going after and put this in air quotes. They started going after anti-vaxxer accounts. So there's a big difference between Trump and Biden. You know, the people on the left, they're going to be out there saying Trump did it, too. Trump did it, too. Trump was worried about toilet paper. Biden and Fauci. It was all about keeping order. It was all about forcing people to continue with their narrative. To make sure that everybody locked down, everybody wore masks and everybody ultimately got the vaccinations. And so in the summer of 2021, Zwig, the journalist who dumped these Twitter files, writes that Biden said social media companies were killing people for allowing vaccine misinformation. I've played you that audio bite a couple of times now. Just a few hours after Biden made that statement, Alex Berenson's account was suspended. He was kicked off of Twitter. The following month, he ultimately sued and eventually settled with Twitter. But that's what I'm saying is that. When Biden came out and said that people like Alex Berenson were killing people, literally killing people. Twitter goes after Berenson, by the way, nobody goes after the flippin' Chinese. Just saying. As part of the legal process, Twitter was compelled to release internal communications, which showed how the White House pressured the company to take action on Alex Berenson. But the Biden administration was apparently very angry that Twitter had not done more to deplatform other accounts and pressured executives to do more. Now, they do say that Twitter executives did not fully capitulate to the Biden team's wishes. But it sounds familiar, doesn't it? Because Twitter wasn't exactly on board with all the FBI wanted to do either when it came to censoring. The conservatives about Hunter Biden and the New York Post and the laptop from hell and the rest of that. Well, it's the same thing here. It's almost like they were overstepping. The Biden administration was overstepping just like the FBI was. I mean, what what was the line? It was, uh, I think, last week where the FBI was tweeting, was uh, treating Twitter like some sort of a subsidiary. And so an extensive review of internal documents and internal communications of the company, Twitter, revealed employees often debating moderation cases in great detail and with more care than was shown by the government towards free speech. So Twitter, and if you've been paying attention to this, you know this, Twitter was, they were torn. There were some people within Twitter Sadly, not enough, but a few people that were torn. And if you're out there like Alex Berenson and many others, you know, the Great Barrington Declaration is something that I talk about often, where they were saying, Beware the lockdowns, realize what the lockdowns are going to do to us, to our kids, to our economy, and so forth. And Fauci and Biden and Twitter and the social media companies. They worked hand-in-hand to discredit and destroy the careers of those who wrote the Great Barrington Declaration, pointing out the dangers of what Dr. Anthony Fauci and Biden wanted to do with the lockdowns. And so Biden and Fauci, what they really wanted Twitter to do was be more aggressive on the deplatforming. But they ultimately did suppress views. Many from doctors and scientific experts that conflicted with the official positions of the White House. But remember what I said at the beginning. The information was true, but inconvenient for the Biden administration. As a result, legitimate findings and questions that would have expanded the public debate went missing. And you see, that's the sad and tragic thing. Real solutions and real discussions were suppressed. And so we have no idea how many lives we possibly could have saved if we were allowed to have the conversation. How many kids could we have saved from mental illness? How many millions could we have saved from poverty through job loss and careers that were lost, that could have been saved if we were just allowed to have that conversation. Businesses as well could have been saved. Even a tweet by former President Donald Trump was flagged by Twitter and their Trump-hating counsel, legal counsel, Jim Baker. Now, you remember him. He used to work for the FBI, Then he left the FBI, really got booted from the FBI, went to go work at Twitter, vehemently anti-Donald Trump. Wait till you hear the rather innocuous tweet that Donald Trump sent that got Twitter all panicked and triggered. We'll talk about that and a whole lot more straight ahead. The phone number is 866-90-RED-EYE, 866-907-3339. It pays to have a tire
0: maintenance routine especially during the winter driving season. Between black ice and heavy snowfall, winter weather can impact your tires and your productivity in a number of ways. Here's a tire maintenance tip to help you avoid downtime and roll safely through winter. Check your tire pressure during every pre-trip inspection and make sure they're properly inflated according to the manufacturer's recommendations. Cold weather
4: naturally causes tire pressure to decrease. An underinflated tires can wear faster
0: and impact your fuel efficiency. Maintaining proper tire pressure is essential to maximizing the performance, safety and lifespan of truck tires. This report brought to you by Luberfiner, engineering filters that are built to do more for heavy duty fleets since 1996.
1: Lines open for your calls 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio.
2: Red Eye Radio, 86690, Red Eyes the phone number, 8669 073339. Going over the latest in the Twitter files dump that came out yesterday. By the way, coming up after the uh, next break, about 35 minutes after the hour, big news related to Donald Trump and his tax returns. The um, House committee now is going to publish Donald Trump's redacted tax returns at midday today, after the ex-president Donald Trump launching a failed Supreme Court bid to keep his tax returns private. Going to give you the full story in my perspective, coming up on Red Eye Radio. Again, Dan Mandis in for Gary and Eric. So talking about and wrapping up the very latest on the Twitter files dump, and it's all about Dr. Anthony Fauci. It's all about Joe Biden. It's all about the fact that they were all about narrative control. And that's why, just like we've seen in all of these other Twitter file dumps, we have seen the same thing, which is anybody who was against the narrative of Biden or the Democrats or the mainstream media, they were censored. And now we're finding out that not only were you censored if you were talking about uh, Hunter Biden and his laptop computer, but also if you were calling into question the wisdom of Dr. Anthony Fauci and his mask mandates and his vaccine mandates and the lockdowns. And as I was saying right before the break, how many lives could we have saved? How many kids could we have helped? Because as you no doubt know, There are thousands, if not millions, of kids across the world who are going through some sort of a mental health crisis. But Dr. Anthony Fauci, there's people still on the left who laud him as a hero. Which is absolutely insane. But there are people on the left who still believe that Dr. Anthony Fauci is some sort of a hero. So Donald Trump sends out a tweet, and he sent Twitter into apoplectics. The October 5th, 2020 tweet read this from the former president. I will be leaving the great Walter Reed Medical Center today at 6.30 p.m. feeling really good. Don't be afraid of COVID. Don't let it dominate your life. The former president also tweeting out, we have developed under the Trump administration... Some really great drugs and knowledge. I feel better than I did 20 years ago. Now, you'll recall that that tweet was one that was sent by the former president as he was about to leave Walter Reed after recovering from COVID. And so Jim Baker, the now disgraced former FBI lawyer turned Twitter attorney, sent an email to none other than Yoel Roth, Twitter's former head of trust and safety asking why the tweet was not being taken down. His quote in an email, Why isn't this POTUS tweet a violation of our COVID-19 policy, especially the don't be afraid of COVID statement? Now that tells you that there was some conditioning going on. They wanted the American people to be afraid. They wanted the American people to be very afraid. And they wanted the American people to be afraid. They wanted you to be afraid so that you would be obedient. And Joel Roth said in his reply in short, this tweet is a broad, optimistic statement. It doesn't incite people to do something harmful, nor does it recommend against taking precautions or following mask directives or other guidelines. Inevitably, ultimately, what this latest Twitter files dump shows you is that legitimate content was labeled as misinformation. The accounts of doctors and others was suspended both for tweeting opinions and demonstrably true information. I already told you about those doctors who pointed out in the Great Barrington Declaration that the lockdowns would have a far more negative impact than perhaps even COVID. Their careers were destroyed. Their reputations in tatters. And frankly, Dr. Anthony Fauci and the Biden administration did all they could to destroy their lives and careers. It's all about control and power.
1: Phone lines are open 1 866 907 3339, 866 90 Red Eye. Now, for Gary McNamara and Eric Harley, here is Dan Mandis.
2: Appreciate you listening and I'm going to tell you here in a minute or two about the publication of Donald Trump's redacted tax returns. At some point today, first I want to say hello to Anthony, who's been waiting. And Anthony, thank you very much for calling from New York. How are you?
4: Good. Thank you so much for the uh, for the excellent programming. I mean, it's you know, in times of deceit, uh, speaking truth is revolutionary. I think that was what George Orwell had stated. Um, I would like to bring to your attention, and perhaps you can better articulate what I'm trying to bring to the forefront because it seems to have been overlooked. Is that uh, Barack Obama when he was first appointed president? or when he first came to presidency, signing statement was to dismiss standing class action lawsuit. It was titled Hepting versus AT&T telecom communications, whereby they had been um, spying on American citizens unconstitutionally without FISA warrants. And um, uh, with the stroke of a pen, Barack Obama was, was able to wipe away that class action lawsuit, depriving the plaintiffs redress uh, with regard to having been spied upon. And there you have the birth of the marriage of what was confirmed at that time was the big brother machine. Uh, there was a man by the name of Mark Klein, who was an AT&T technician who had realized what the, the NSA had been doing. And so he joined uh, the, the lawsuit. And then Barack Obama's last act as president was on December 28th, 2016, when he expelled Um, Russian dignitaries and shuttered two embassies, one in Glen Cove, Long Island, and the other in Maryland. Now, when he did that, that was to uh, launch the Russia, Russia, Russia hoax, as it's been titled. And so if you, you bring those two dots together, those two points, what you have is tyranny. And it comes from the Oval Office and has now been interjected in every agency, whereby big government has Is against its own people as opposed to actually protecting the Constitution, you know? And then you have Fast and Furious, whereby Obama's administration got caught arming the direct Mexican drug cartels. And now you see it's as though they have a paramilitary force running uh, the border, uh, bringing drugs up and people and, uh, you know, all this trafficking. And it would seem as though. They privatized their own, almost like iran Ran Contra all over again, you know. But it comes from the Oval Office. And again, I would just hope that you could could connect these dots and do some research, you know.
2: Well, I appreciate it, Anthony. Thank you very much. And it sounds like you've connected all the dots. But what I would expand upon what you're saying is, you know, it's not only Obama; it's the entire it's the entire machine of the Democrats. It's the Democrat Party. It is the activist groups. It is Hillary Clinton. It is, you know, the mainstream media. It's all of these things together that ultimately have impacted our daily lives. It's impacted our elections. It impacted the first, well, really the entire four years of Donald Trump's presidency, but most certainly the first two years. Because let's also not forget that with Uh, The former president, Donald Trump, you know, there was the Mueller investigation and and ultimately what the Mueller investigation was really all about and what led to that was all the pressure from the FBI and social media and the mainstream media as well. And ultimately what they did was they handcuffed the first two years, at least, of the, the Trump administration then you go into the whole uh, phone call with Ukraine and whether or not Donald Trump deserved to be impeached for that of course he didn't but when you look at the it's like social media is sort of like a, a pack of piranhas you know what i mean it's like they they see something and the, they work hand in hand with the mainstream media and the democrats and everybody works together so you've got the mainstream media you've got social media you've got the democrats and everybody's working together, all oars in the water, pushing one narrative, whether it is Donald Trump deserves to be impeached or Donald Trump colluded with the Russians or the Hunter Biden laptop from hell. That's nothing but Russian disinformation. It's its all of these things and a whole lot more, Anthony. And you're right. And I do appreciate the call. This is a Bill calling from Los Angeles
5: on Red Eye Radio. Hey, Bill, how are you? Oh, hi Dan, uh, we, we've talked in the past about uh, mainstream journalism. I used to be a reporter, and I think you were a reporter in Los Angeles too, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Well, I was—I uh, was like a news anchor, traffic reporter kind of guy. So I wouldn't not want to say that Sorry. I was a, an official television reporter or anything like that.
5: No, but you, you, you know the biz. And the, oh, and I know the, the biz, real mystery yes. to me. Yeah, the the whole Twitter file situation. I uh, I don't blame Twitter or Biden because they're they're going to do what they're going to do. But I'm really embarrassed about the absence of the exposure in the mainstream media of what was going on at the time with Twitter. And besides the financial incentive, and I'm sure there is some that would have intimidated some media corporations from messing with Twitter – I cannot understand why any real journalist, whether liberal or conservative, and I knew both at Columbia J School in the 80s. Nobody I knew back in the 80s in journalism would have betrayed the First Amendment the way these people have during the last seven years.
2: I don't I don't, you know, Bill. I don't even know. I know that journalism does exist today, but it doesn't seem to exist within The mainstream media, it seems to me like journalism is actually uh, really more in its purest form. People like Alex Berenson, for example, or, you know, others who will pursue the truth regardless of agenda, regardless of you know, who they're going to anger, whose side is going to help, whose side is going to hurt. They just want the truth. There isn't a relentless pursuit of truth any longer within the majority of journalists, at least from what I can see. But, you know, I may be a little jaded and you're more close to that side of it than I am. Bill, would you say that there's does pure, pure journalism exist today at all anywhere in the mainstream media?
5: I, I think you're right. It's become more of a lone wolf operation as far as people who really want the truth. But I, I know because I was in it and I knew some people like the former uh, president of CBS News, Fred Friendly, who was a liberal, but he would not have passed up on what's been going on in the last seven years. He would not have squelched any of these scandals. I don't know anybody who would have done that. So it's it's a real mystery to me. But uh, yeah, I, I think as a whole, there's no longer a feeling uh, among the legacy media that they have a duty to the First Amendment as opposed to their own agenda.
2: No, I I think you're right. And I think that's really sad. But you know what it does, though, Bill? And I don't know your story at all. But doesn't it open up an avenue for real journalists to pave their way so that they can relentlessly pursue the truth without the restrictions of a leftist editor or a conservative editor, you know, just somebody whose sole focus is is just to find the truth. They really do have an opportunity now, especially with Elon Musk, where he is all about the truth. And some people believe that he is and some people believe that he's not. Ultimately, time will tell. But I think there could be and I think there is a whole cottage industry industry right now of of pure journalists out there. That can find the truth, and then that makes the Washington Post and the New York Times and the networks, and certainly CNN and MSNBC that really exposes them even more as the propaganda machines that they are. I'll give you the last word, bill
5: yeah, i I, I would agree, but look who look who is aligned against these people trying to do this. everybody the entire media establishment is trying to squelch these people who are trying to get the word out. So there's a big problem with getting their truth to enough people.
2: Do you think now that we – and I feel like I'm interviewing you, but I, I love your calls whenever I fill in. Do you think, Bill, that um, now that Twitter has been exposed, we'll see what happens with Facebook and you know some of these other outfits, but do you think that now that we know – that there will be a backlash against this kind of censorship uh, on some of the other social media platforms and also within the mainstream media. I mean, for example, and people may know about this. They may not. I've talked about this many times. But, you know, there were actually on NBC, NBC News, they actually had town halls where they said, oh, all these people that are asking Joe Biden questions, They haven't decided who they're going to vote for yet, when in reality they were plants, they were actors, they were people that were actually on MSNBC who were saying that Donald Trump sucked and Joe Biden was wonderful. In other words, they were actors. I mean, I do wonder if this will be, um, you know, really a moment of reckoning for journalism itself within the networks and within the you know, newsrooms of the Washington Post and the New York
5: Times. Well, if you can get more people like uh, Musk in charge of large organizations who doesn't need the money that these other organizations apparently think they, they can get by you know, uh, being nice to Twitter and these people, then maybe they've got a fighting chance. But otherwise, it, it's really an uphill battle against these uh, megalithic uh, corporations.
2: All right, Bill. Well, you know what? It, it sounds like um, you know, with some, someone someone with, with your experience and and others like you, it is an opportunity for uh, people like you and people like Alex Berenson and, and some of these uh, media outlets uh, who are conservative or just simply pursuing the truth. See, that's the difference between the conservatives and the in the in the liberals. Is that conservatives? We are all about the truth because we are constitutionalists. I mean, we are all about the constitution. We are all about the truth. And and so for us, it seems like and there's probably some hate listeners out there is what I like to call them. There's probably some hate listeners that may scoff at this, but I will say that when you are a conservative, when you are a Republican, you are more concerned with the truth than you are with narrative or agenda. Now, anybody who paid attention to Donald Trump knew that on occasion he had this tendency to stretch the truth. But we also know that many times Donald Trump was called a liar when he actually wasn't. And so now we're Hearing names like, uh, you know, Barry Weiss, for example, uh, and uh, some of these other folks who are involved with Elon Musk, and they are working to get the truth out. To me, those are the people that are truly the truth seekers. And to your point, Bill, the mainstream media <clears throat> is doing everything they can to discredit the people that are working with Elon Musk to get the truth out there regarding Twitter. Because it's not only just about Twitter. I mean, it's about the FBI. It's about Joe Biden. It's about all of the people that were working within Twitter that used to work for, example, the FBI or the CIA. That's also part of the conversation where you had this revolving door of all of these people that worked for the FBI, all these people that worked for the CIA, they got crap canned from there. They left there. They went right on over to Twitter. Then they left Twitter. They went back to the went back to the CIA or, or, or the FBI. That is also a big part of this conversation. It is multi layered, but ultimately the one goal, the one thing that we all need to take from this this disintegration of Twitter, only to rebuild it is that the ultimate pursuit has got to be the Constitution and the truth. We'll return next on Red Eye Radio.
1: Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE.
2: 86690 Red Eyes, the phone number, 866907 3339. Headline House Committee is going to publish Donald Trump's redacted tax returns at midday after ex president launched failed Supreme Court bid to keep them private. You know, there's no other way to say this. I mean, the Democrats have been salivating over these tax returns for years. You know how funny it's going to be if these things are released and there's just like nothing here. Big old to, to quote Hillary Clinton, big old nothing burger. I mean that's what it that's what it could be. Now here here's what I will tell you: what we'll probably see, and we'll find out you know later on today. But I think probably what it's going to be is the Democrats and the media and the Donald Trump haters. They'll say, aha, we told you he's corrupt. He didn't make as much money as he said that he did, or he doesn't have as much money as he says that he has, or he didn't donate enough money to charity and church, right? It's going to be all that stuff. And then the independents and the Republicans are going to say, man, did you see those border numbers that came out on Friday? Man, did you see where we are with inflation? How much money are we giving to Ukraine? In other words, conservatives and independents really do know what matters to the American people. These House Democrats? I don't think so. Got a lot more straight ahead. It's Red Eye Radio.
1: This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio, with talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or just starting your day, welcome to the show. For Gary McNamara and Eric Harley, Dan Mandis. This is Red Eye Radio. Appreciate you being here, and
2: the phone number remains, as always, 866-90-RED-EYE. You can find out more about me on the Dan Mandis Show Facebook page. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram as well. I was speaking before um, before this hour, a couple of hours ago. It's a long show. It's five hours. And I think uh, somewhere around hour two, I was talking about the power outages that we had across Middle Tennessee. And I was reminded of a joke that I made on um, on, on Facebook, because my power was out for about 90 minutes, and I said that it was actually kind of nice not to have to sit through home alone again. The silence was actually really nice, because in, in my house, for the holidays, and this is my, I think, fifth or sixth uh, Christmas now with my wife— and it's like the same movies over and over and over again. And I got to tell you, if I see Macaulay Culkin and uh, you know his his oh boy face uh, in the palms of his hands, I'm just I'm going to hurl the TV through the uh, you know through the window. It is just over and over again. And it's like Home Alone one, Home Alone two, Home Alone one, Home Alone two. And I even said to my my wife, I said, can, can we? Can we please just, you know, watch a a real Christmas movie? And so then she, of course, looks at me with that eye rolling that she does. And she says, uh, "Okay, which one do you want to watch? And I, of course, said Die Hard. And so then that leads into the whole conversation as to whether or not Die Hard is actually a Christmas movie or not. I said, I don't know if it is or not. But what I can tell you is that Macaulay Flippin' Culkin is not in it. I'm actually glad it's now December 27th because I've had it up to here with uh, Christmas movies, as you uh, can probably tell. It is interesting, though, because as much as and I'm just speaking for me personally, as much as you love when Christmas rolls in. By the time it's over, you've had your fill of Christmas movies, you've had your fill of Christmas music, and you're really just. At some point, ready to get back to work. And by the way, speaking of work, but what I usually do is that when I'm not filling in for Red Eye Radio, I am the morning host on Super Supertalk 99.7 WTN in Nashville, Tennessee, 6 to 10 Eastern Time, 5 to 9 Central. And you can find it online at 99.7 WTN.com. Now, it's been a very busy Now, this is usually Gary and Eric take this week off, as most people do, because uh, in broadcasting, because it's typically a very slow period as far as uh, news content goes. I will tell you, though, that there is there's been a lot of news that we've been covering today. Uh, For example, illegal immigration. You know, we had a a little report that came out a few days ago. It was uh, on Friday night heading into the Christmas weekend. Where the astonishing numbers came out regarding illegal immigration and how many people are coming across the southern border. And the numbers are just absolutely incredible. What makes it even more incredible is not only the past lies of current Jean Pierre, but the current reporting of none other than MSNBC. It is not that simple. It's not just that people are walking uh, across uh, across the border. We were even able to see, as of last night, a lot of migrants just crossing. And migrants I spoke to this morning saying they haven't had any interaction with U.S. immigration authorities. They just walked right in. Nah, uh You don't say. So, so cringe on Pierre says... It is not that simple. It's not just that people are walking uh, across uh, across the border. That, that's, that's exactly what msnbc is reporting that people are literally walking right across the border we were even able to see as of last night a lot of migrants just crossing and migrants i spoke to this morning saying they haven't had
0: any interaction with u.s immigration authorities they just walked right in
2: just walked right in but we don't need msnbc to finally step on the clue bus no because fox news and talk radio Many other actual news outlets have been talking about what's going on on the border for a couple of years now, if not way before then. So we've had yet another worst month when it comes to the border, thanks to the Biden administration. A lot of reaction since this dropped on Friday night before the holiday weekend. So I'm just going to give you the stats. And then let the lies from the Biden administration speak for themselves. Customs and Border Protection, they show that 233,740 illegal immigrants were apprehended attempting to cross the U.S.-Mexico border in November, making this the highest total for a November in DHS history. That is a 332% increase from the average number of November apprehensions during... For example, the Trump administration. You've got 13,150 unaccompanied children that were apprehended. And by the way, you can put that in air quotes because we really don't know if they're under 18 or not. You've got at least nine people on the terror watch list that have been apprehended trying to enter the U.S. between ports of entry so far this fiscal year. And we're not even going down the road of the gotaways. What about the 142,038 illegal immigrants that were apprehended from countries outside of the Northern Triangle in Mexico, showing that Biden's crisis is indeed global? What is the head of DHS, Alejandro Mayorkas? have to say about all this
0: secretary Mayorkas? do you continue to maintain that the border is secure yes and we are working day in and day out mm-hmm. to enhance its security.
2: i mean it's just it is the way that he says it and i i play this thing at least once a week on my local show in nashville because you could listen to Mayorkas. it's like he's punking i said this earlier it's like he's punking the american people with the way that he's yes yes We are really wink, wink, nod, nod. We are really working hard to secure the border even more. Wink, wink, nod, nod. Secretary
0: Mayorkas, do you continue to maintain that the border is secure? Yes,
2: and we are working day
0: in and day out (laughs) to enhance its security.
2: It's just so funny. Because he knows he's lying, and everyone else knows that he's lying too. Same with Corinne Jean Pierre. Some more stats from the Friday dump. 5.3 million illegal immigrants have crossed the border since Joe Biden took office. This includes, by the way, the nearly 4.3 million illegal immigrants that Customs and Border Protection has apprehended and the more than 1 million gotaways that have escaped past Border Patrol into the United States. And they're talking about how the, the border officials... They're talking about how we have no idea, they say. We have no idea the official number of Godaways, But what we do know is that we are vastly undercounting. And despite this ongoing crisis, Kamala Harris insists that we do have a secure border.
5: We have a secure border. In that that is a priority for any nation, including ours and in our administration.
2: You know what I'd like to do? and Maybe we can do this tomorrow. Can somebody please explain to me what Kamala Harris means by the second part of this audio bite? We have a secure border. Now, because that right there is a lie. But... Then she says something about a nation and priority. What? And
5: that that is a priority for any nation, including ours and our administration.
2: I mean, I think I've played that had to be a 100 times over the years. And I still don't get it. And so maybe tomorrow night we'll have some fun and we'll open up the phone lines and and we'll play. We'll we'll play, you know, um, interpret Kamala. What the hell is she saying? What the hell is Harris saying? Because I don't really understand it. I, I, I don't. But whatever. As far as the drugs go, by the way, getting back to the border, we could just run down the bullet points. We've got the cartels making $13 billion a year, pushing drugs into our country, including, by the way, fentanyl and meth. We've got fentanyl overdoses as the leading cause of death for Americans ages 18 to 45. And listen, I do understand it is December 27th. This is supposed to be, you know, a fun time of year. That's what the Biden administration is counting on. You know, you turn over to uh, Today Show or Good Morning America, they're going to tell you a hundred different ways that, you know, you can eat your leftovers. What do you do with that with that carrot cake? they would rather report or talk about those things as opposed to the cartels and the bad hombres that are crossing the border that have now targeted your kids with rainbow fentanyl. That looks like Skittles. But despite all of that, your president, okay, he may not be quote-unquote your president, but you know what I mean. The President of the United States still has no interest in visiting the border or even talking about our sovereignty. And not visit the border because the more important thing going on, they're going to invest billions
0: of dollars in a new
2: enterprise. There you go. So that's Joe Biden. So we are so clearly in good hands with Corinne Jean Pierre, Alejandro Mayorkas, Kamala Harris, and of course, brain dead Joe Biden. By the way, in case you didn't hear, Greg Abbott, Texas governor, on uh, I think it was Christmas Eve, sent more migrants to the residence of Kamala Harris in in Washington, D.C. Same story, different day, but I love it. You know what I also love? I love how the White House has responded to all of this. Listen, because it is like they're horrified. Governor Abbott abandoned children on the side of the road and below freezing temperatures on Christmas Eve without coordinating with any federal or local authorities. A so White House representative, Abdullah Hassan, said in a statement, this was a cruel, dangerous and shameful stunt. Well, what do you call them crossing the desert to come to our country illegally? I mean, do they have Any culpability in any of this? Of course, not according to the Biden administration or the Democrats. But I will tell you, your buddy Dan, I will tell you, of course, they have culpability. Democrats have blamed the situation on Greg Abbott, not the illegal aliens, but Greg Abbott, who since April, they point out, has bust migrants from Texas to major Democrat-led cities, including Washington, New York, Chicago and Philadelphia to protest the Biden administration's immigration policies. Now, you all know what this is all about, right? It's all about Title 42. And if that goes by the wayside, then you can just open up the floodgates. It is going to be just crazy. I mean, they're saying there's something like 20,000 migrants waiting to come across our border if Title 42 does go away. Big story out of the New York Post. Migrant tent. Like a big migrant tent. Erected at the border to prep for Title 42. And it's as big as a football field. And this is where they're they're going to house these people. If uh, ultimately Title 42 goes by uh, the wayside. Coming up next, wait till you hear what a Border Patrol agent has to say about all of this. And also coming up, There is a battle for the leadership of the RNC, which is something that I find absolutely fascinating. Stay close. It's Red Eye Radio. On Friday,
6: on the floor of the U.S. House of Representatives, passage of the 2023 federal omnibus budget covering all federal departments, including USDA. The 225 to 201 vote of approval by the House came one day following a 68 to 29 vote passage of the measure in the U.S. Senate. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack, via press release, notes some of the USDA measures funded under the omnibus such as increased investments in agricultural research, food safety, and rural development, greater efficiencies and support for equity and opportunity within USDA programs, a permanent and nationwide summer EBT to assure year-round meals for children, additional funds for fire suppression, and new disaster assistance funding to help producers through climate-related disasters. I'm Rod
0: Bain, reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. The USDA report is brought to you by Cenex Roadmaster XL Premium Highway Diesel Fuel.
1: Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio.
2: Red Eye Radio eight six six ninety Red Eye eight six six nine zero seven thirty three thirty nine What a weird story! Out of New York, and this Republican Congressman, Congressman-elect uh, George Santos confesses that he lied on his uh, resume. Yet, despite the fact that he openly admits that he lied, he says, "Doesn't matter. I'm still gonna, I'm still gonna serve my seat." I'm still going to serve out my term, even though he defrauded the people that voted for him. Now, if you are a Republican and your party won the seat and you voted for Santos, okay, well, you find out. And he openly admits that he lied on his resume. What he lied about is coming up. Then do you say, well, just give it to uh, the Democrat. Give it to the person who... Uh, yeah should have won because he was lying no, I mean it's it's difficult because the truth does matter, and I believe the character does matter. I don't know if it really does matter anymore at this point, but if you're a Republican, if you're a conservative and, and this dude was lying about his uh resume, how do you square it with you know honesty and integrity in elections? He lied about his work experience. He lied about his education as well. Santos, who will represent a portion of Long Island in the House of Representatives, made the confession during an interview with the New York Post, though he insists the lies would not stop him from serving his full two year term as a a congressman. He says to the Post, its print, I'm not a criminal. He says this controversy will not deter me from having good legislative success. I will be effective. I will be good, he says, with just weeks until he takes the oath of office. His professional resume and his religious affiliation has come under scrutiny. He wrote in his campaign biography that his grandparents were born in Ukraine and escaped the Holocaust. But you know what? Apparently, it's not true. They say that his family escaped the Holocaust by fleeing to Belgium before fleeing again to Brazil, Hmm. leading some to question whether he was, in fact, Jewish as he claimed. They say last week, the New York Times reported that claims made by Santos about being employed in the financial industry and working for Goldman Sachs and Citigroup could not be verified. So dude literally lied about almost everything. He lied about his family. He lied about his his work background. And so if you're a conservative, what do you do? You say, well, he fooled us, but he's a Republican and he's in office. So what are we going to do? While speaking with the Post on Monday, he confessed that he never worked directly for Goldman Sachs. He never worked directly for Citigroup, suggesting that he probably could have used a better choice of words. Instead, Santos said he worked for Linkbridge, which did business with both Citigroup and Goldman Sachs. Really, really interesting. Got a lot more on this and the battle over the RNC. It's all straight ahead on Red Eye Radio.
1: Phone lines are open. 1-866-907-3339. 866-90-RED-EYE. Now, for Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. here is Dan Mandis.
2: I just, I do, I find this whole story just bizarre and funny. New York representative elect George Santos lying on his resume according to Several different reports. Now, this is from Fox News, and I guess they I don't know. I've read other accounts where they're trying to figure out what to do with this situation. Because he won the campaign fair and well, sort of fair and square. He wasn't honest about where he worked. He wasn't honest about his family. And now people have no idea what in the world they just or who in the world they just elected to uh, the House of Representatives. And for me, the whole thing just seems bizarre because he's come out. He was exposed. Now he's come out. He has admitted that he was not truthful, but he also says he's not a criminal. He says, this controversy will not deter me from having good legislative success. So when I say that he lied about his family, I was telling you just momentarily before the break, he he wrote in his campaign biography that his parents were born in Ukraine, escaped the Holocaust by fleeing to Belgium before fleeing again to Brazil, leading some to question whether he was in fact Jewish at all, as he claimed. Last week, the New York Times reported that claims made by Santos about being employed in the financial industry and working for Goldman Sachs and Citigroup could not be verified. While speaking with the Post on Monday, he confessed that he never worked directly for Goldman Sachs and Citigroup, suggesting that he probably could have used a better choice of words instead Santos says he worked for LinkBridge, which did business with both Citicorp and Goldman Sachs. In his role with LinkBridge, Santos claimed he made capital introductions between investors and clients, the Post reported, and the two financial institutions were limited partnerships LinkBridge worked with. In other words, he's an embellisher. You ever meet those people, the embellishers? Well, apparently Santos is one of those. But what's interesting is, like, he never thought that he would be found out. I mean, you can't lie about anything these days. I mean, everything is out in the open now, everything is Googleable, searchable, you know, Googleable. Santos also telling the New York Post that he never graduated from college, despite saying. He received the degree in 2010. He says, I didn't graduate from any institution of higher learning. I'm embarrassed and sorry for having embellished my resume. He says, I own up to that. We do stupid things in life. Santos said that he is Catholic, though his grandmother told him stories about being Jewish and converting to Catholicism. Here's another weird one. As an openly gay man, dude was accused of not being gay because he was married to a woman until 2020. Santos addressed those claims with the Post on Monday as well, saying he was married to a woman for five years, but is now married to a gay man. I guess he likes to keep his options open. He also this dude is a piece of work. He also confessed to being a deadbeat tenant in Sunnyside, Queens, adding his mother's illness put the family into deep medical debt. And so now they're trying to find out, okay, so what exactly was your mother sick of? Besides you and you're lying. I added that last part. Uh, Santos's campaign team did not immediately respond to a request for additional information regarding his claims. Now, <clears throat> he is supporting Kevin McCarthy as uh, as are most of the Republicans in the House of Representatives. There's there's a number. I mean, we've gone through all this. That there's a number that don't support Kevin McCarthy. So they're thinking about maybe Steve Scalise or someone else to lead the Republican majority in the House of Representatives. But Santos supports Kevin McCarthy. And so McCarthy is loath to, you know, make a move on Santos in any way because he's got a supporter and he can't, Kevin McCarthy, he cannot afford to lose any supporters whatsoever. So just a, a very bizarre, bizarre story uh, from New York and uh, Long Island. I would love to know. Maybe we'll try it um, tomorrow night. I would love to know if, if somebody is in his district of New York, how do you feel? Like, have you voted for this guy? What is your thought now that you realize that he's literally lied to you with a straight face out on the campaign trail? No doubt multiple times. Now, I can justify it by saying, well, you know what? If he votes the way that I want him to vote, who gives a crap where he went to school? Who cares if he's actually gay, if he's if he's not gay, if he was married to a man, woman, whatever? Who cares? As long as he is my brand of conservatism. And there's people that feel that way, and I understand that, actually. I mean, there, there's people out there that that are very conservative in their voting records. They may not have always walked the walk. They may not have always told the entire truth. But you know what? Long as they vote the way the constituents want him to vote, does it really matter? No, I will tell you that, yeah, it would bother me and most certainly something to think about for next time. By the way, very quickly... Uh, let's see here. We want to talk about Ronna McDaniel and her absolutely lavish spending. Now, maybe you've heard about this battle over who is going to uh, control or run the RNC, the Republican National Committee. Ronna McDaniel has a couple of challengers. One was Mike Lindell, the, the my Pillow guy, and a woman by the name of Harmeet Dillon. Now, she is an attorney who is also an RNC committee member from California who served as a Trump campaign legal advisor. And she announced her bid to challenge Ronna McDaniel on the Fox News channel earlier this month. Now, McDaniel says that she has the support of 100 of the 168 person voting block of the RNC. Now, she was on with Steve Bannon a while back on his podcast, and she was asked about whether or not she would be willing to debate Harmeet Dillon in front of the 168 members or have an open debate in front of everyone. This is what she had to say, and it was somewhat controversial. Here's what she had to say. Again, this is uh, Ronna McDaniel, and she's on with Steve Bannon what about this debate?
6: Would you be open to, to having Harmeet and Mike Lindell, the two people that have thrown their hat in the ring, to, to d- do a Q&A, to do it like a debate and to and to defend your record of accomplishments? I'm always happy to, to talk your... to the
0: 168. I'm always happy to talk to the 168. So I'm talking to them every day. And Steve, this is but would you do. Would, would you be open go- to do
6: it to get it clear? Would you be
2: open to do it in a more public forum so this thing I'm, I'm interested you could,
0: in doing things in front of the 168 that's what i'm interested so in, in
2: other words she has no interest in answering the accusations that have been leveled against her now w- what are those a- accusations massive amounts of spending massive amounts of spending now why she won't debate i believe That she won't debate in front of everyone because she doesn't necessarily want to come clean to what she's done. I mean, the stories of the spending are absolutely out of control. You know, if you're the person that leads the RNC, well, then you've got access to copious, massive amounts of cash. I mean, you look at the money she spent. Red State did their exclusive analysis, and uh, it it was bad. The headline is exclusive analysis of the RNC spending since 2017 shows millions of dollars were spent on private jets, limousines, luxury retreats, and Broadway shows. And so now when, when you hear about all of this, Then, of course, you know that we didn't win the Senate, barely got the House. Where did all that money go? Well, I can tell you where it went. It went to, and I'm just going to go down the list, it went to luxury travel to the tune of well over a million dollars, private jets. Floral arrangements, home improvement and decor, entertainment, clothing retailers, non-clothing retailers, $36,000 in alcohol. I mean, it goes on and on. Now, look, I do understand that, you know what, these are the kinds of things that um, you have to spend money on. You've got to wine and dine, donors, etc. But when they looked at the Democrats... And the spending that they have been doing, it's not nearly as extravagant as what we're seeing on the Republican side. And that's why you see people like Harmeet Dillon saying, uh, no, what we're going to do is we are going to run against her because she won't come clean on where all that spending went. Tucker Carlson had John Rich on. And, you know, the country music legend, he himself is a donor to the RNC. And he was especially ticked off about how they used the plight of Donald Trump to get all kinds of funding. Listen to how impassioned and angry and emboldened John Rich is.
3: The RNC... Right after this uh, election, when when Trump lost the election, they were running commercials on TV that said, we're fighting for Trump, so donate to the RNC because we're fighting for Trump. And they knew that that all the conservative base out there was fired up and would send in a lot of money. Matter of fact, they sent in close to $200 million to the RNC. Meanwhile, I find out that in the back rooms where nobody's allowed to go, that the attorneys for the RNC decide that they're going to hit the attorneys for Trump and say cease and desist, sit down and shut up. You're running the future of the Republican Party while they're simultaneously running ads saying fighting for Trump. Yeah, he's right.
2: Assuming he's talking about 2020 and you had all this chaos going on behind the scenes and in front of the cameras, and the RNC is fundraising off of the controversial election. Meantime, a great number of Republicans, including Mitch McConnell, by the way. We're not supportive of Donald Trump in the least. So they'll stab him in the back. Hell, they'll stab him in the front. And they'll say the most God awful things, but they'll raise money off of Donald Trump and all of his problems. Then they'll waste the money. And that's part of what has John Rich so incredibly angry. These people
3: are scoundrels. They're liars. This is a bait and yeah. switch. They are abusing their position uh, with the conservatives around this country. And I don't think we should call them rhinos anymore after what I've seen them do there. Because that's honestly, that's defamatory to the noble rhinoceros. That's quite an animal. <laughs> I would call them Judas Republicans because they betrayed the trust of the people, they took their money, and they never intended on using that money for what they said they were going to use it for. I'd like to see hashtag Judas Republicans trending from this point forward.
2: All right, we've got a lot more straight ahead on Red Eye Radio.
1: Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE.
2: Red Eye Radio, 86690. Red Eye is the phone number, 8669073339. Dan Mandis here in for Gary and Eric. They return a week from uh, today, as a matter of fact, a week from this morning. Looking forward to having the gents back. It has been. A very, very busy show, and uh, we've had a lot of great conversations. If you missed any part of the radio broadcast uh, this morning, you can find all the segments, podcast, at RedEyeRadioShow.com. That is RedEyeRadioShow.com. My name is Dan Mandis. You can find out more about me on the uh, Facebook page, Dan Mandis Show Facebook page. You can also find me on Instagram and Twitter. Tomorrow uh, morning, when I fill in for the guys, I'm on tomorrow and uh, the next day as well, the next morning as well. We're going to delve a a little bit deeper into the battle between Harmeet Dillon and Ronna McDaniel, uh, McDaniel, because there is a number of things that we could talk about as far as why this matters, because it really does matter who runs the RNC, especially when you look at the last midterm election. Thanks for listening to Red Eye Radio.
1: This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One.